It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Trey Gowdy. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. President Biden, as he runs for re-election, will tout his economic agenda today in Chicago. The trouble is Mr. Biden keeps talking about how he's building from the middle out and he's helping the lower incomes. The lower incomes and the middle incomes have been clobbered by all this inflation. We talked to Fox Business host Larry Kudlow. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Who has to win where and by how much? The first of Fox's 2024 power rankings are out as the electoral map takes shape and the swingiest swing states emerge. Not being a foreign policy expert, not being a military expert, not being an economic expert, I don't know how the issue is going to play out, <laughs> but being a bit of a political expert, I can assure you that how they play out will become very important in how the vote turns out. And I'm Tommy Laren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The way President Biden and his supporters see it, the job market is strong, unemployment's low, inflation is easing, and gas prices are way down. Unfortunately, our migrant Republicans in Congress are trying to undo all the progress we've made. That was the president earlier this month in Washington. The first bill they passed, this new Congress, while they were holding the country hostage over the debt limit, was repeal the climate provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act and replace them with handouts to the fossil fuel industry. He continues to tout what's being called Bidenomics. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says it's growing the economy from the middle out and the bottom up. You hear us say that over and over again because we believe that trickle-down economics does not work. After fundraisers last night in Maryland, for his re-election campaign, President Biden will detail his economic agenda in an address today in Chicago. Well, I don't think much of Bidenomics, to be honest with you. Larry Kudlow's show on the Fox Business Network is at 4 p.m. on weekdays. He's also a Fox News contributor and former director of the National Economic Council under President Trump. I think that we can start with the performance of the economy, which has sputtered to a stagnant 1% economic growth rate. And on top of that, we still have a significant inflation problem. The level of prices has gone up so much, almost 16%. Energy prices up 40%. Grocery prices up 20%. This has killed the middle class, and it's killed the lower middle class, and the even lower than that. And the trouble is Mr. Biden keeps talking about how he's building from the middle out and he's helping the lower incomes. The lower incomes and the middle incomes have been clobbered by all this inflation. So while people are working, yes, we've recovered the pandemic job losses. The fact remains, after inflation, real wages have fallen across the board, but particularly For the bottom half of the income, they've fallen by about 3% over the past two and a half years. And that's probably the single biggest reason why Mr. Biden's polls are down, his economic approval is down, and it remains a big problem. This is going to be a pocketbook 
election. It's going to be a kitchen table election. And I don't think President Biden is well positioned for it. All right, let's get into some of these things. You obviously brought up inflation and the prices have come down every month for almost a year now. And so the president... No, no, no. The prices pre- have well, the prices rate of increase, let me say that. The rate of the have increase of inflation has come down. It's half of what it was a year ago. It's at 4%. So the president's going to tout that it's working, that prices are coming down, that it's getting better for people. And consumer confidence, we just got that report on Tuesday. It's highest level in 18 months. So they're touting things are getting better. Well, that's what presidents do. I've worked for a couple myself. The reality is prices are still much higher than they were two and a half years ago. Uh, You could take, um, here's an example, gasoline prices. Yeah. So. uh, Way down from a year ago. Yes. But at $3.58 or whatever they are, uh, prices are still up from the $2 or slightly less that Mr. Biden inherited from Donald Trump. So, you know, on the on the rate of change, you can argue it's slowed. But the fact is, prices at the pump are still a lot higher than they were a couple of years ago. I mean, to be fair, when you guys were dealing with the economy in the middle of the pandemic in 2000, gas prices, they plummeted. Oil prices that one day was crazy, got got into the negative territory. So, I mean, there's a lot different than at that point, right? Well, I'm not looking at the uh COVID collapse, I'm I'm saying to you that uh, because under under Donald Trump, we uh, unlocked the spigots of oil and gas. You had uh, plenty of gasoline on the market and the price of gasoline, uh, as I say, was averaging about two dollars a gallon pre pandemic and post pandemic. And that's, you know, a reality that people look back on and say, well, gosh, why am I paying 358 when I used to pay around two bucks? And the reason for that, I think, is we're not producing uh, enough oil and gas. Uh, By the by, uh, electricity prices are significantly higher than they were uh, two and a half years ago uh, as well. Home heating prices, diesel fuel prices, You know, these are things that affect um, ordinary folks, working folks who drive to work, truck drivers uh, and so forth. But President Uh, Biden is hoping that in in the next 10 years, we don't need to worry about that. I mean, he's getting ready to mandate and pushing more and more electric vehicles. They want in some states no more new auto sales of gas powered cars within about 10 or 11 years. And there is no chance that that will happen. Okay. There is, I mean, electric vehicles today are less than 10% of total cars. And every poll shows that consumers want a choice in their automobiles. And I think, you know, these grandiose climate change uh, estimates uh, are beyond the realm of reality, beyond the realm of possibility. It isn't going to happen. Consumer preferences are not in favor of electric vehicles. I mean, you know, things like charging stations, things like batteries. I mean, we don't have the capacity in this country to produce the commodities, things like lithium and nickel, to generate these, to produce these 
electric vehicle batteries. And the biggest battery producer right now in the world is China. And so what this policy amounts to is a huge subsidy for China, which is our adversary. And that should not be something that the United States wants to do. We should use our natural resources to the fullest. That is my point. And incidentally, we should always have, as we did under Trump, as we did under Obama, as we did under Bush, we should have an all of the above policy. You don't end fossils until and unless you can replace it with renewables. And we are nowhere near replacing fossils with renewables. And let me say also, with respect to the stagnant economic growth of 1%, Mr. Biden has essentially fought a war against business, against business profits. He has mounted some $2 trillion worth of regulations that have created massive red tape for business to untangle. This is why the economy is so weak. This is why investment is so poor. Well, the White House is saying 13 million jobs. That's a record. They have 800,000 new manufacturing jobs. That's what they say. Unemployment's been under 4%, has been since 2021. So they say that he's done an incredible job bringing back the workforce to a level even before the pandemic. I would just say to you again, going to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, his claim about 800,000 manufacturing jobs is unverifiable. We are barely above pre-pandemic levels. His claim about 13 million jobs is unverifiable. We are just slightly higher than we were pre-pandemic. I don't know where his numbers come from. As I've said many times on the air, his rendition of the economy is not truthful. He is incapable of telling the truth. Has the Federal Reserve done the right thing? You mentioned all the interest rate hikes. It's over 5% in you know, about a year and a half's time, and they're more likely to come. Have they done the right thing doing that? Well, you know, the Fed was in denial, as was the Biden administration, for a long time about the inflation. Again, heavy spending by Mr. Biden and easy money from the Fed, which supported that spending. Uh, created a huge inflation problem. So they were about a year and a half late. First, there was no inflation, according to them. Then it was going to be transitory, you may recall. Yeah. And then the Fed uh, panicked about a year ago in March, starting in March of 2022, and started to hit the brakes. And that's, um, you know, if you're late to the party in that game, you're going to have trouble. I'm looking at a model from the New York Federal Reserve Bank, which is where I started my career many, many, many years ago. They have an important model of the government bond yield curve, which basically shows a 71% probability of recession in the next year as a result of Fed tightening. And the Fed tightening was made necessary by the overspending. Do you think that's so, going to start with, the, we're, we're almost done with the second quarter. Do you think we're in a quarter that's going to be negative? Um, you know, I, I don't think the second quarter will be negative, And I don't know about the precise timing of it. Um, you'll probably see it later this year or early next year. It'd be my best guess. What should those on the Republican side running for president, in your opinion, be 
going after the most when they focus on the economy? Well, I think the GOP has to emphasize an economic growth agenda, a prosperity agenda. Mr. Biden is essentially operating what Newt Gingrich and I call big government socialism. Too much central planning. You know, you mentioned all this climate change stuff. That's nothing but central planning. Anti-business regulations, uh, too many taxes and too much spending. The model's not worked. If it had worked, it would have already worked. <laughs> and it's not. You're you're running high inflation and barely stacking growth. So this is why you see the polls so stacked against Mr. Biden. And I don't care what numbers he makes up. People know better. Larry Kudlow, you can watch him 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Fox Business Network on uh, the weekdays. Also Fox News contributor, former director of the National Economic Council. Larry, thank you very much for joining us. My great pleasure. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This is Tommy Lahren with your Fox News commentary coming up. This week, Republican presidential candidates like Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are stumping in places like New Hampshire, the first state that will hold a GOP presidential primary. We've delivered more policy success than anybody. People are sick of the excuses. They're sick of the rhetoric. They want results. You don't congratulate the Chinese Communist Party for taking over China 70 years ago. That's the moral clarity that I'm talking about. But after state primaries are held, the newly released Fox Power Rankings reveal where a lot of the swing state campaigning will go down. States President Biden won by less than a point. The president is running again, and last week in a speech marking one year since Roe was overturned, he warned the abortion issue is not over this political cycle. MAGA Republicans have made clear that they don't intend to stop with the Dobbs decision. No, they won't until they get a national ban on abortion. Now, even as many polls indicate most voters don't want President Biden to run again, most voters don't want former President Trump either. While many voters cite President Biden's age as concerning, with former President Trump varying legal matters makes a shadow over the issues, including the accusation that he withheld classified documents. That was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. Former President Trump talked to Fox News anchor Brett Baer last week after he was indicted. When Baer asked why he didn't simply turn documents over, he said he needed more time to go through the boxes. Even as these two men say they're running again and polling puts them on top in their respective parties, we've still got quite a bit of time here. And for now, those power rankings reveal 12 tight states, with three where President Biden won by less than a point, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. A lot of that is demographics. Arnon Mishkin is the director of the Fox News Decision Desk. In Georgia, sort of the growth of the African-American voting population um, I think has put that state in play. We saw this in 2020, and we also saw this in 2022 when the Republican governor won quite comfortably, but the Democratic senator also won. Um, not as comfortably, but nonetheless, he won. So it's very much a swing state. It's very much in play. In Arizona, I think it's you know two things that have occurred. One is the growth of the Hispanic population that tends to vote Democratic, although not entirely. Um, and the other thing is the growth of the retired population, many of whom come from blue states and are looking to retire to you know 
uh, a warmer place than the um, New England or, or the northern Midwest. And they often bring their Democratic votes with them. Um, and then Wisconsin is a swing state because I think it may be the most extreme urban suburban state in the country. Um, <laughs> and urban areas tend to vote Democratic and rural areas tend to vote much more Republican. Um the other thing is, you know, when we talk about these states, uh, not just Arizona, Georgia and Wisconsin, but also Nevada, Pennsylvania, I think they're the presidential election. Um, very much it's a state where if you're a political junkie, you'd like to live because you'll get a lot of attention. If you own a, a media outlet, um, you'll get a lot of advertising because these are the swing <laughs> states where the campaigns will be fought. Tell me how abortion might factor into this election cycle. You know, Democrats, including the president, are saying this issue is not over, that uh, Republicans want to impose a national abortion ban. Do you think this will be a major topic of discussion uh, in 2024? You know, historically, abortion in the, in the days before Roe versus Wade was overturned, um, abortion was always an issue that motivated the pro-life voters. Um, and right. pro-choice voters, um, they weren't voting on the issue of abortion um, because they thought abortion is settled law. We can vote on other issues like who's going to be better for the economy, who's better for defense. And that was really helpful to Republicans um, because the only voters who voted on the issue of abortion were Republican voters. What happened since Roe versus Wade was overturned in the Dobbs decision is all of a sudden voters who are pro-choice decided, or many of them decided, that's the issue I need to vote on. And so they were motivated by the issue of abortion. And I think that's was we've seen that in Wisconsin um, in the Supreme Court election, but we also saw in 2022, a Republican senator got reelected despite the um, abortion issue. So it's, it's an iffy issue, but for the first time in a while in the 2022 election and possibly in some states in 2024, we're going to see that it's an issue that motivates Democrats to um, to come out and vote um, because of that issue. And I think that that's that's a really important issue. And it's a challenge for the Republicans in terms of how to manage that issue, because clearly a six week ban on abortion is is exceedingly unpopular with the public. Interestingly enough, a 15 week ban on abortion or 15 weeks, that's about when people start moving. Um, and so it's possible that a 15-week abortion where a number of Republican candidates have come out um, is something that could be the makings of a compromise. And from a, the perspective of American society, coming up with a compromise on abortion is probably seen as a very good thing from the perspective of politics. Um, you know, each of the parties like th to have their issues that divide the country and to their advantage. Mm. So Interesting. Yeah. So these power rankings aren't and also note that the power of the suburban voter, but also the shift in Latinos that 7% more Hispanics voted GOP between 2018 and 2022 between the midterm cycles. Is, is this where we see the GOP talking about education and school choice? Like how, how does the GOP capitalize on maybe some of the movement towards them here with these groups? I, I think that the thing to remember about Hispanic voters is they're not a monolith. You know, one needs to think about sort of places of national origin and the like. Hispanic voters tend to be m more more often than not um, much more obser religiously observant, um, much mm -hmm. more socially conservative than the average voters, and much more focused on sort of where they're living. And so what you find in rural areas, there are a lot of Hispanic Americans that actually don't like the idea 
of so many people, um, uh, the growth in immigration and and the challenges of the border, um, and that right. everyone thought that that would be an issue that motivated Hispanics to vote Democratic. It turns out for many of them, it doesn't. It actually motivates them to vote Republican. The other thing that you find is as they become more affluent, they are more likely to embrace many of the positions on taxes and the like that help the Republicans. So this is very much a swing constituency that is growing more Republican, even though Democrats tend to win the bulk of it. But if you're getting seven, you know, growing the number of Republican voters in that group by seven points, that's really important, really important in a state like Arizona, um, also important in states throughout the Northeast and the like, where there is an opportunity uh, for the Republicans. Let's go to some of those states, actually, not not just Wisconsin, Arizona and Georgia, but so Pennsylvania went for President Biden by just over a point. Uh, Nevada went for Biden by nearly two and a half points. How in play are those states if former President Trump is the nominee? I think in in the case of Nevada, I I think it's very much in play, even if Trump is the nominee. Um, I think that there are a lot of generic uncertainties about this election, if it's a Trump versus Biden election. And there are a lot of generic uncertainties talking right now about what's going to happen in the election. There are more known unknowns, to use the uh, (laughs) expression that Donald Rumsfeld used to say, about this election than about any election in my memory. Because we know now what the the core issues are going to be discussed. We just don't know how they're going to break out. We do know that Trump is facing a number of legal challenges um, in terms of the indictments and the potential indictments down the road. We know that Joe Biden is facing a number of age challenges. He's the first president to be running for re-election at age 80. He'd be age 86 at the end of a second term. We don't, and we know that a lot of voters are expressing concern, both not just Republicans, but also Democrats and independents about his age. And we don't know how that's going to play out. And then we know a number of issues that we know are going to be important, but I just don't know how they're going to, what's going to happen. Okay. First and foremost is the economy. We've had bad signs in the economy in terms of inflation. We've had good signs in the economy in terms of job growth. Um, What that's going to look like six months from now is really important to the voter. I can't tell. I'm not the economic expert. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you, however it turns out, however it settles, it's going to have a big impact on the voter. Um, we don't know how Ukraine and, and Russia, the, the, with the coup last weekend, or not the attempted coup or the protest or whatever it was, we don't know how that's playing out. We are going to know how it's playing out come December, January, when, the, when people start choosing the, the, the candidates. And how it plays out, I think, will be really important. And finally, we don't know about China. We know that there's a lot of tension with China. There's growing tension with China. And we know that the Biden people are sort of trying to figure out how to handle them. I think we'll know a little better by December, January, how they're handling it. And I think those are going to be really important issues that are going to affect the voters. But not being a foreign policy expert, not being a military expert, not being an economic expert, I don't know how the issue is going to play out. (laughs) But being a bit of a political expert, I can assure you that how they play out will become very important in how the vote turns out. Yeah, Arnon, finally, to the uniqueness of this stage so far, you know, you you have Republican candidates saying if Trump is the nominee and he's polling ahead of everybody, then Republicans won't win the general election, that independents just won't go for him, as you noted with the legal issues. But then you see polls showing even most Democrats don't want President Biden to run again. If it comes down to these two men and you've got independent voters in these swing states, as we've discussed, is it all about like who they dislike less? Is that, and that's typically what it comes down to, right? Who you dislike less? 
<laughs> there's an element of that. I think there's an element on the Democratic side. And I think this is the White House position to those Democratic voters who say you're too old is tough noogies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's running and you're going to vote for him if you're a Democrat. And I think that there's truth to that. I don't think there's any evidence that there's any segment of the Democratic or Democratic-leaning independent voter who isn't going to support Biden, even though they think he's too old. Um, I don't think he's going to lose votes because of that. But you'll have some non-enthusiastic voters. And I think that 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 could hurt him, you know, because it's not like that you vote with your feet, but you vote with your seat. And if you're sitting out the election, that could be uh, a bad thing for for Biden um, due to his age. On the Republican side, you are seeing in some of the pollings slivers of Republicans who say they will refuse to vote for Trump in the event of a um, of a Trump nomination. And that could be a challenge. The thing is that when you look at Republican primary voters, they are less interested in who's going to who has the best chance in November and more interested in sort of sending a message that they feel that Donald Trump will represent their needs and their views in a way that other candidates won't. And so that's a challenge for these um, the Republicans who are trying to get the nomination away from Trump is you can't do it just saying I have a better chance in November. And frankly, if you look at the polling, many of them do have a better chance in November. Um, But you need to figure out some way that you can dislodge Trump and Trump's support by a large segment of that that party, which I think is 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 going to be really important. And all eyes will be on RFK Jr. (laughs) 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 Well, you know, RFK Jr. is you can make fun of him all you want. You can say he's a Nepo baby. He clearly is a Nepo baby. He's there because, you know, his his the name recognition is universal. It is still probably the political family that is most respected across both sides of the aisle because of the tragedies that befell his father and his uncle. And, you know, he's a fairly articulate guy. He sort of understands how to communicate in a way that other politicians or Nepo babies are not able to do. <laughs> All right. Well, Arnon Mishkin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And in other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. Humans aren't the only mammals to use baby talk. A study published Monday found female bottlenose dolphins changed their tone when addressing their calves. Researchers recorded the signature whistles of 19 mother dolphins in Florida when accompanied by their young offspring and when they were swimming alone or with other adults. The dolphin's signature whistle is a unique and important signal, like calling out their own name. When directing the signal to calves, the mother's whistle pitch is higher and her pitch range is greater greater than usual, according to the study that was published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, a finding that was true for every single dolphin in that study. Why people, dolphins, or other creatures use baby talk isn't certain, but scientists believe it may help offspring learn to pronounce novel sounds. Research dating back to the 1980s suggests that human infants pay more attention to speech when it's at a greater pitch range. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Hey, everyone, it's Kennedy, and you can listen to my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It's going five days a week on the Fox News Podcast Network. We're bringing you all the fan favorites. Listen on Spotify, Apple, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download podcasts. 
Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tommy Lahren. What's on your mind? The USDA has approved lab-grown chicken. Test tube nuggets? Sounds tasty. Not? Many of you know I'm a South Dakota ranch girl, and that's partly why this next story disgusts me on many levels. The USDA has just approved lab-grown chicken for our consumption. Yes, that's chicken grown from cells in a lab. This meat, if you want to call it that, is made by feeding and cultivating animal cells in stainless steel tanks. This has been hailed by the green community as a win for the planet because real-life animals drink too much water, fart too much methane, and produce too much of a carbon footprint. You know, this really irks me. God created animals for us to love and care for, but also for our sustenance and nourishment. The fact that the climate change crowd has decided that this practice, which has been around since literally the dawn of time, is bad for Mother Earth, is really indulgent and idiotic. No one likes factory farming, but growing cells and tubes to feed our families is a science experiment I want no part of. Real American meat only. I'm Tommy Lahren. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Dana Perino. Join me for season three of my limited time podcast, Everything Will Be Okay, based on my best-selling book of the same name. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.